As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Stainer and Dave Ninemitz. It's Stainer and Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Inner Jr., Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here on a Tuesday. Dave, how are we doing? Doing all right. We're gearing up for the big underwear Olympics next week. Oh, strap on the spandex and let's go. <laughs> That's right. It's that time. Combine time is here where we, we are outside of the Indianapolis crew, the luckiest in the loop uh, to be just a quick drive away and not have to like fly across the country to go to Indianapolis. Uh, but we'll, so we'll take that. Uh, but yeah. We'll be up there. It's all next week. Um, you know, there's the excitement factor of we get to hear from Duke Tobin. We will hear from Zach Taylor. Uh, we'll have some local media conversations with Dan Pitcher, offensive coordinator, Luana Rumo, defensive coordinator. You know how it goes. Um, we we talk to a bunch of people while we're up there and 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 then uh spend some time in establishments and see what happens. Also, <laughs> you never quite know, Dave, what's gonna happen. I find it kind of cool up there because it, it it's not quite the tent pole event like other stuff where there's like a football village and stuff like it's all business up there yeah. and you'll just be sitting in a restaurant and like last year there's todd bowls at the table next to me everybody's just kind of casual just doing their thing yeah no big deal it's uh, it, that's the workplace yeah you know it's like if it, i don't know that that dude he's he's a head coach he's he's above me on the corporate <laughs> ladder but there he is having lunch that's just kind of the way it is everywhere it's that's that that's yeah. the beauty of indy and i think that's why everyone in the league doesn't ever want it to move yeah. is because it is so casual and it feels and it feels it's the last thing that the nfl hasn't sucked the life out of yet for corporate <laughs> greed and they've tried it's like they want to but yeah, oh, yeah. they always talk about moving it around and then they realize that no, we actually got to get work done here. It's yeah. got to be more than just a big PR show off fest. It's the last piece that regular teams and like coaches and, and personnel people are really, they've just got their death grip on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not letting it go. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's next week. Uh, the combine coming up next week and, and we'll have a ton of Bengals insight there. Free agency, is only you know we're mid-march not that far off uh where we will see the new league year kick off and the Bengals hit free agency and see what happens obviously a lot of work to do uh there i want to say before we get started into talking a little bit about some more combine stuff a little bit about free agency of course mo egger esp1530 gonna join as he always does i want to let you guys know big news coming make sure you are locked in here because we uh, soon are going to be doing bigger, better, grander things here with the podcast. And it's going to put some work in your hands. I believe in you, though. Those that listen to this podcast, I believe in their ability to click a button. I believe 
that they can do it because I have some of the smartest podcast listeners in the Bengals universe, if you will, and I trust them. Anyway, big, awesome news coming. Things are going to get much more fun uh, here on this podcast, um, which is – that's all I'm going to say. That's my teaser right now. That's all I'm going to really say. <laughs> Make sure you come back other than there's going to be a blast from the past – there's going to be a new future wave, and it's going to be more, more, more. And that just means more for you and more for us and more time for all of us together. And no, Dave's not going anywhere. We're not going to kill him off just yet. That's what people are waiting to hear. Yeah. Wait, is this, are you announcing a murder, murder mystery <laughs> serial? Is that what it is? You're killing off Dave. Is that what's yeah. happening? It's a Netflix four parter. Tune in. Uh, and I, to ease everybody's fears, we we switched to a different program we're using today, and I I managed to click a different thing, and I you did it. So well, I go. think others can do it too. Yeah, and uh, all I can say is I am I've been building towards this for a long time. I'm very 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 excited to so make sure you're sticking around and coming back. Big news in the very near future. So uh, that's coming soon. Um, okay, on that note, let's. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the the Higgins four part series wrapped last week. I don't we don't need to dive any further into it. I don't think at this point. Uh, but just if you haven't had a chance to go in and read it, please do. It's there. There was a lot. Thank to all of you that uh, that went through it all and got in the comments and subscribed <laughs> and sent me your thoughts and all of it. I loved it um, and. Uh, even those of you that had nice words to say, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that uh, because it's it was it was it is a lot too much, probably. <laughs> but I felt like let's just go all the way. And then the one thing I, I and not that that I didn't realize until I put the finishing touches on the the last piece where I kind of gave my point of view on where I thought this thing should go, one that I've oscillated on a million times probably <laughs> over the last year and a half. And then I I really feel like. It's okay to have one more ride with this, with T and Jamar and Burrow. It's set up to do that. Go for it, right? Go take your swing. This that group is enough to win a championship if yeah. built if you built around it. Well, it you can do it. It's right there. That's the path. Go for that. The one thing is though, then you have to draft your face off, and. Didn't realize Duke Tobin is a big leap year day two receiver guy. <laughs> How about that? How about Actually, that? You referenced that, and I had to go look at it. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're all leap years. Yeah, it is, and it even technically goes back to 08. Uh, but Duke was. I mean, I didn't want to mesh worlds with like who was making the calls on certain <laughs> points. So and, and so it is. I mean, those are the only day two receivers that Duke Tobin has selected were 12, 16, and twenty. Muhammad Sanu, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Hey, keep that track record going, right? Yeah. And then yeah. enjoy the Olympics, which is that's apparently it might be it's like when they when they start promoing the Olympics, Duke gets all jazzed up by the athletes. And he's like, you know what? We need an athlete. I want my Simone Biles, you know, and just goes for it. Seems to be presidential elections as well. Yeah, also maybe maybe he goes in the tank over politics. <laughs> Screw it, I'm comfortable. It's just it is, you know. It's uh, it's it's just one of those things. So anyway, maybe this is the year. It should be the year, and I'm including tight ends in that. Yeah, which I want to touch on a little bit with you here, Dave. Yeah, in that uh, one thing that has come up a lot recently, and Daniel Jeremiah, uh, friend of the program. Gasoline on the Bengals fan fire. They're just all in a tizzy. <laughs> oh, it's my little pet. Oh, I love it. It's my little pet. <laughs> I want to pet it and caress it and love it. Sorry, my, my Tommy boy. Tommy want wingy. I mean, I keep going. I guess this could be like an hour of me just reciting Tommy boy. But By the way, it was, it was just his 60th birthday the other day. It just blew my mind. I realize I'm crusty and old, so I shouldn't be surprised by that. But. Yeah, I know. I know it's like what could have been. I he's yeah. just a legend, uh, and I did see. I well, I saw that was someone rolled out the ice skater sketch, yeah. which is just <laughs> all oh, it's just all time, just all timer. <laughs> um, okay, 
back to uh, the little pet. Brock Bowers is the little pet that, that Tommy squishes. Uh, but Daniel Jeremiah kind of squished it because he uh, he promised that that's what are the Bengals looking for was a question. And it was uh, uh, Brock Lesnar freaking out. And so it's got people talking about Brock Bowers and tight end. I just want to kind of go into this because the tight end topic obviously was one we really did last year. And, and, and when you're talking about drafting and the receiver position and eligible receivers, I think you just have to lump the tight ends into that conversation because there's nothing wrong um, with acquiring or adding a more playmaking tight end to make up for the fact that you don't have, Tyler Boyd, or you're trying to fill at slot. I mean, it's about eligible receivers. It's about offensive playmaking weapons. It, it doesn't have to be constructed as receivers. Now, has that worked for Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Um, and and I think that they value it that way. But I think they don't have to live in 11 personnel all the time, and they can be open to that. I We'll talk more to them in the combine about this topic because Bowers and the tight end thing is going to continue, not going to go away, and nor should it. I just, after what we saw last year, they liked Dalton Kincaid. They liked Sam Laporta. Mm -hmm. Kincaid never made it to him. I don't think he would have been the guy if he got to them anyway. And Laporta, you know, they didn't have him that high on their list. They're not going to value those guys as high as other positions. And that's what hurts them in trying to make this stuff match. Yeah. And I don't know that this group would be willing to go there with their current situation and draft what they view as a luxury position at 18. It feels rich for me, especially when you consider some of the other more premium positions that are probably going to be available to them on the board. Long way to go between now and April, but that's my gut today, knowing how they view the offense. Now that could change. We just talked last week, right? Justin Riscotti, Dan Pitcher, uh, new ideas in the room and new thoughts, and they want to keep things fresh. But I I, I just, I don't know that that's going to totally go away, that they're still going to want to be live an 11 team and, and not feel that they have to have an elite tight end. They'll quickly point out to you their tight end production didn't really suffer all that much despite the debacle that happened there and the mixing and matching that James Casey had to do in that room. Yeah. I, well, there's a couple things with Bowers. I think if you're making the argument for him, I, I think you're basically saying that it, it kind of kills two birds with one stone. You finally address line or tight end and you do it with a rookie contract and then you get another receiving weapon. I think, What's going to make it hard for them to do that are the options on the offensive line that'll be there. And I think, you know, that's what you're getting at is a more conservative approach to kind of get what you need and not necessarily go for that glamour position. And the other part is I, I, I can't tell where Brock Bowers is going to go. I mean, yeah. depending on what projection you see, people seem to think he'll drop. Others seem to think he's like a top 10 pick. So I don't know that fans should get their heart set on it only because there's a good chance he won't be there at 18, but it just seems hard to say with him. Yeah, he is all over the map, and you don't know. I mean, look, the other part of this, and this is not me knocking Bowers. Like, the dude can play. He's a been a baller, and, like, when George's offense ran through him, it looked like it looked freakish. And, maybe, and, and you can make a real argument, as we had here, that the Bengals need to lean more into the tight end as being a real position. Look around these teams that are playing at the end, these top offenses. You know, we're talking about Kittle, Laporta, Kelsey. All I mean, we just we just re- went through all of this. So yeah, I, I. But that doesn't mean that Brock Bowers is going to be that. Yeah. You know the you there is Kyle Pitts didn't turn into that. T.J. Hawkinson, you know, has eventually maybe turned into that. But you know, people thought that that was a waste of pick. They traded him away for God's sake. O.J. Howard always comes to mind. O.J. Howard, these first round tight ends, just there's just, you know, and, and Michael Mayer from last year. Where Dare I go? say Irv Smith Jr. coming out of college Irv was Smith a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you just, the tight end thing, it just tends to be a tough one to properly project. And you just, the, the true elite ones have just not, so not often come from that top spot. 
that I get hesitant in using that type of draft capital towards it when you talk about the Brock Bowers conversation. We'll have it more next week, and we'll hear a little bit more next week. And if that if that's some if they think he's truly that guy, they've also really valued the more Swiss Army knife, the, the jack of all trades, whatever and whatever we want to use to talk about them. Cliche that shouldn't make it into a story without Dave editing it out. Matchup <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it out. And 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 Bowers is 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 by all accounts fine as a blocker, but it's he certainly you know you're it ain't George Kittle, yeah. you know it's not where you're doing everything and he's been incredible as a receiver and after the catch that stuff. But I mean I just again more time to get into that, but I know there's a lot of people talking about Bowers out there right now, so I just want to kind of talk about as part of this conversation of that there needs to be eligible receivers of high you know talent entering the equation next year whether in the background or can become starters whatever that looks like slot receiver outside receiver tight end running back another running back uh which we'll talk about with mo here in a second um as we get closer to the joe mixon decision and and other aspects of that i I, you know it's just there has to be more weaponry for the next generation of borough targets to enter that doesn't have to be receiver, but it typically is. When you're kind of talking to people in the organization or when Bauer's name comes up, are you hearing this more? It's just a fan buzz thing. Does any indication you have from anyone you've talked to within the organization indicate that that's a guy they'd be interested in? Uh, Or are we too early on? I think it's too early. You know, they haven't, pinned that i mean interests of course i mean they he's a guy that everybody in the league should be interested in but we're talking about number 18 interest and and that's hard to gauge at this point because i think they're still putting together what that world totally looks like for them because the coaches are not part of that part of that conversation yet and and i can tell you as high as the scouting staff and personnel staff might be on any tight end the coaching staff is going to pour some hot water on some of it yeah. probably uh, because of just the nature of, of what they feel like they need and their value of the receiver position and the fact that they need to figure out the receiver position and defensive tackle and right tackle, yeah. <laughs> you know, those other things are just going to be a higher priority. Now if they feel like, Hey, that's still Bowers is still better uh, than waiting on right tackle or they filled it in free agency, the conversation changes. So before free agency, it's hard to say it. Interest, yes, but gauging the real the reality of 18, it is too early. When you look back at the Bengals' drafting history, are they a team that if a guy falls down to their position and it's just too irresistible to take, if his value is just – if they – if it just seems crazy that he's there at 18. Or do you feel like they're the type of team that just pulls a trigger on that? You think back to guys who have dropped before, like Justin Jefferson should have gone way higher than he did. Or if you want to go way back, Randy Moss, or even Micah Parsons a few years ago dropped a little further than we thought. Jalen Carter, obviously, because of his issues. And it seemed like there were teams there in a lot of those situations just said, there's just no way we pass on this guy. Like, he's here, we got to take him. Do you feel like the Bengals are that team, or are they more a stick to your guns? We came into this looking for something in particular, and we don't care that he's still there at 18. I think they like to think they're that team, but they're not. Yeah. I I think they call themselves best player available but their Bengals grade is has a heavy lean towards positional need you know what I mean yeah and and what they feel like they need it's all part you know it's like a way it's the waiting system it's we're back to it's a pie Dave it's more pies (laughs) it's like it is it's it's what percentage do they put on positional need what percent Mm -hmm. percentage do they put on talent and that puts them at a final number and a final ranking here's the thing 18 is really a spot where you do find some obscure picks because a team will have 15 first round grades. Okay. And if there's only two of those first round grades for them around, they're going to want to take that guy rather than the chance that is, you know, you're taking a lesser talent. And sometimes it is positional that puts them down. I just think the Bengals more way and the construction of this draft would suggest defensive tackle, offensive tackle, Mm -hmm. um, will just be there and and they'll like a 
those some of those guys, whether you're talking about Newton from Illinois, whether you're talking about, you know, Texas Murphy, you're talking about any of these tackles. Like that being there makes me think that it wouldn't necessarily go that way. Yeah. But that again, I mean, that's just the early assessment of who they've been and, and how it kind of you know it feels like where they're at right now. So we'll again we'll we'll see on that. Um so that's that's kind of that more more to come from the combine, things like that. Um and outside of that though, um you never know what's gonna develop as we just start peppering Duke Tobin with questions um and getting into all the different things. You know, hope maybe he'll make some powerful statements about T Higgins again this year. Last last year of course was the go find your own receiver. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's going to be the tone. I think the tone this year might be like, uh, "Hey, come and get your own receiver. <laughs> we'll help make your team better." Yeah. What do you have to offer us? What do you got? Uh-huh. You know, what do you got? And uh <laughs> that was, you know, kind of the end conclusion too for me as well. The Higgins thing, one last bow on that before we bring Mo in is, you know, look this, I, I think there's nothing wrong with what they're going to do of putting the franchise tag on them. But, and, and Mo and I have talked about this before. He said it before. You better be listening after you do, though. Because mm-hmm. if someone shows up and does offer you what you want or above the market value because they get desperate, um, and I don't know that you're going to get that desperation, um, certainly not before free agency, but if yeah. you do... Uh, you, you got to be willing to pull the trigger and take it because um, there's there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with doing that uh, if that's the direction if, if you get the proper value. All right, yeah, on that it goes, note, it goes back to your stars aligning in, in the one part of that series where you got to have the timing, you got to have the right partner, you got to have Higgins willing to want to yeah go to that team. So uh, yeah, I agree. Something it's hard something, to do. It's it's, it's hard it's hard for the things. stars to align. It is yeah. hard for the stars to align. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On that note, let's go over to our good friend and yours, Mo Egger, ESPN 1530. How are we doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? Oh, man. I am. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, hey, I le- you learned about Colt Anderson this week. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations not, to Colt. Not super well known. You know, we we're talking about the combine and establishments. I was going to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to know Colt Anderson a little bit just by hanging out at the combine. You never know who, you know, we hanging out. And then next thing you know, you're engrossed in the conversation with Colt Anderson. Good dude. Happy for him. Makes total sense that Brian Callahan would want to take him with him. And I know Darren Simmons really liked him. Makes sense that he goes to Nashville because he sounds like a country singer. Yeah. Colt Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Colt Anderson's opening for Dirk Bentley. Awesome. <laughs> like that's How's that not a thing? Yeah. I mean, it might be, it might, maybe that was the big part. He wants to kickstart his uh, country career. I'm going to do something because I've kind of been been enjoying punishing you a little bit. We talked a lot, we've talked a lot about T Higgins and I'm not going to do any more of that Four part series, four part series on what to do with Joe Mixon. Like what's, what's next? Hey, that's what I'm going to do. No, not four parts, but we are going to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon right now. Okay. This is me torturing you. Oh no. Oh no. Um, I I don't want to be retweeted by him. Oh no. Well, that's just it. (laughs) <laughs> what so the latest of you know the Bengals look like they could move on from Joe Mixon mm-hmm. elicits him to send a tweet. Mm-hmm. So that's clown behavior. Y'all said this last year. So questioning his status on the roster is clown behavior, clown emoji. The most disre- is is the clown emoji the most disrespectful emoji in the catalog? You know, I brought this up on the air last week. <laughs> I've never used the clown emoji because I'm waiting. You can't use it all the time. No. So in the the hundreds of thousands of tweets that I have sent, I've never used the clown emoji because I am waiting for the absolute right moment because it strikes me as the it's like it's the bullet you could fire once because yeah. it's that disrespectful. Yeah, it's powerful. It I is. Mean, it's stronger than the eggplant. 
No okay. <laughs> and so here's the thing. So uh, he, this this concept mm-hmm. of okay, you qu- even question my status on the roster, you know, at eight million plus cap hit for the production that we know Joe Mixon gave is clown behavior. Does that push you even more to say I'm done? Or do you not care about the off the field junk anymore? Cause it's just kind of, this is just what it is. This is what it has been. It's this is, this is life with Joe Mixon. This is part of it. I don't worry about that because yeah. I think he's on a, I think he's on a team that's capable of sort of just letting that stuff come and go. I, I, I think what I would ask Joe is, what if you would have said no to the pay cut? What would have happened to you? Yeah. We the know. team was going to cut you. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, it's not at all far-fetched to suggest the Bengals could be explore, could be exploring a future without Joe Mixon, especially because he is due an additional $3 million uh, via roster bonus. So, I, I just – I come back to that. Uh, you, can, you can get mad at the insinuation that 2024 may play out with the Bengals not having Joe Mixon. You can get mad at that but your ire should be aimed at the team that basically said, take a pay cut or go. If they were going to do that a year ago, if or go was an option last year, how a year later is it not an option in 2024? And and look, I I get it, man. Joe Mixon's meant a lot to this team. He's been a very good player, a very good player. Uh, And one of those guys who bridged, you know, what the Bengals used to be to what they've become. And he, he gets, uh, I, I think an eternal amount of, respect and love for for being that but i mean this is there's what we know about the position there's there's what we know about what you can do with the position and there's what we know about joe mixon's uh production over the last couple of years and more than anything there's what we know about the bengals and how they confronted joe mixon with a take a pay cut or be gone ultimatum yeah so how are we getting he may come back and play for the bengals in 2024 and he may be great i don't know but you are out of your mind if you don't, first of all, just as, as a fan, as an observer, entertain the possibility that Joe's not going to be here. And you're even more out of your mind if you don't think that's uh, on the radar of the people who run the franchise. And, and I don't know how I would react if people were calling for me to lose my job openly. Would, wouldn't like it at all. Hell, no. it happens to me every day. Wouldn't yeah. like it at all. <laughs> I like. I, I mean, again, like I, I don't, so I'm not going to sit here and say what I would or wouldn't do. And, and you know what? Everybody's different. And Joe Mixon is a personality that has been big and not afraid to say what he thinks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's who he's going to be. And, and that's totally, I don't really like, I'm with you. I'm, I don't care about that. Yeah. I care about the fact that he is not what they need anymore. Yeah. Okay. They need an explosive running back. They need someone who can be a third down weapon. If they need to be, they need a, a, a mix and they don't need somebody who is going to rank towards. I'll, I'll go ahead and pull out more numbers. Cause in case the eyes don't work, we can go <laughs> through some of them, but you know, you talk about, there were 34 running backs last year with at least 150 carries i'm mm-hmm. saying between week one and 17 i'm throwing out the uh whatever that non-competitive preseason game that happened in week week 18 out mm-hmm. i know i know they want the 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 mixing people want to put that out <laughs> i'm sorry no one was trying in, on, in, again for cleveland okay yeah. so the first 17 weeks the, the nba season, all-star game was more oh, competitive it really than- it, there's no question <laughs> out of 34 we'll just go through some rankings yards per carry 26th Yard rush yards over expectation 23rd. That is, he was 39 yards negative 39 yards under the expectation of what he should have should have had. Uh, yards per reception. Hey, he was average 16th. It's the best number you can find. Mm-hmm. Was thanks to the screen game, he ended up 16th in yards per reception. A screen game that we saw Chase Brown take more advantage of. Um, yards after contact per carry. 33rd out of 34 explosive play percentage. So a play that gained more than 15 yards, 22nd breakaway yards. How, what percentage of his yardage came on breaking out in the free 33 out of 34 Mm. elusive rating on PFF 31 out of 34. He was fifth in the league in carries. 
He was second in the league in carries on first down and 10. 137 times they gave the ball on first and 10 to Joe Mixon (laughs) for him to rank in the bottom quarter of the league in almost every stat. Okay. I appreciate your volume numbers. I appreciate what Joe Mixon has been. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is not who he is anymore. This isn't who they need for this team. Like there's just no way you justify this at an average salary, much less at an $8.5 million cap hit and almost six mil that you could go spend free against the cap elsewhere. There's just no way to justify that much less call it clown behavior to even bring it up. It's it's basic economics. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. We can look at the production. First of all, how many of those players were in their seventh season? Right. Right. Most of those players were probably younger, right? They're they're just, I mean, in the NFL in 2024, how many running backs are going to be in their eighth year? So the, yeah, the numbers. So so he's he's on the older end, and I know he's just 27, but still he's he's on the older end in terms of NFL experience, right? Mm-hmm. And he's on the lower end of production. On what planet does it make sense to not explore the possibility of moving on from him? So. You look at the numbers and you go, okay, can you get better? The answer is yes. Are, 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 can you get better? Is better going to be more expensive or less expensive? It's probably going to be much, much, much cheaper. Yes. So how is this not a conversation? This is not even a conversation. Actually, a conversation. it's a no-brainer. Yes. I can get better at this position with somebody who's cheaper. Okay, Joe, thanks. See ya. Like, in what business would this not be a thing? We can find someone who's better and cheaper. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think we're going to go ahead and do that. Like that. This is, this is pretty basic stuff. I I don't look, I, I, I certainly understand there are going to be folks who they, they can't move on from what the player used to be. We, we deal with this all the time. Hell, I just, I did an off season of Joey Votto talk, right? I, I, I get, this is how it works, but let's talk about the player right now the nature of the position, the biggest offseason conversation in the NFL in 2023 was why aren't teams paying running backs? Why should we, should we figure out a way to protect running backs? Should we exclude them from the salary cap? Why aren't teams valuing running backs the way they used to? Because they're not as good when they get to their years five, six, seven, and eight. Joe Mixon is on the back end of that. He's not going to get any younger. He's not going to get any faster. He's not going to get any more explosive. He's not going to be a better, more productive player. And so I can find someone who can be better at all those things who costs less. Case closed. Sorry, Joe. Case closed. That might make me a clown. Uh, every general manager in the NFL would look at it that way. So I guess they're all clowns too. Yes. And it's unfortunate and they don't like it, but all that, running back complaining and pointing to it's crazy that we're losing money was justified. Okay. Even if you, even if you were trying to spend money on running back, it would be pointed out that that's a comical thing to do. The Bengals were fifth last year, $11.7 million in cap allocated to the running back position fifth in the league. There were 10 teams that finished over the NFL average for cap allocation to running back position Two made the playoffs. And, and by the way, for for me in particular, I, I even think I, I wrote a piece for your publication about mm-hmm. this. When the Bengals paid Joe Mixon, I was for it. Yeah. Because for, now again, this is before Joe Burrow plays a snap, right, in the NFL. I was for it because my thinking was you've got a new-ish coach who's trying to reestablish the culture. If he views Joe Mixon as a player who's central to that, you have to let the coach coach the sort of players that he desires to coach. Plus, who else are you going to pay? Now, a lot of things have changed, right? There are other financial priorities. Also, Joe has gotten through the first three years of that contract extension. So if you're listening to this going, well, it's it's an anti-Joe thing, even in this era where running backs are getting less and less money and not getting those second contracts and are very disposable and fall off a cliff. And so teams move on very quickly from them, even while they may still have some productive seasons in front of them. I was okay with the Bengals kind of being the outlier because, all right, look, let's let's let Zach Taylor coach Joe Mixon if he views Joe Mixon as central to what he's trying to establish from a culture perspective. And by the way, who else are you going to pay, right? So I certainly can understand why the Bengals sort of 
deviated from the norm in this era of how we look at running backs and paid the guy. I, I think it worked. I, I think he, he was valuable to what Zach Taylor was trying to do. Also, he threw a damn touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Like, he was a part of their success. They got everything they wanted out of that. And Joe Mixon got uh, a few years of pretty hefty paydays for a running back. Like, he's he's almost playing with house money at this point. You're a running back going into your eighth season. If anybody pays you to play football next year, you should be very grateful. So this isn't an anti-Joe Mixon thing. It's a reflection of the numbers you just read, what we know about running backs, and the fact that, quite simply, you can find someone who's better, younger, and most important, cheaper. This yep. is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. This reminds me of uh, a little bit, in a way, of A.J. Green the year that they let him go where it's like you have to there's so much the figure out your way to do it that is like an honor to what you did here and then everyone's got to move on you know it's just yeah it's just it's so it's so clear one other side of the of the numbers i wanted to point out to you uh i mentioned that the Bengals spent 11.7 million on running back last year there were 14 teams that finished with 5.5 million or less in cap space dedicated to that position nine made the playoffs including ravens niners chiefs okay this is just the way you do it okay and that's that this is unfortunate for those that play that position it's just the way you do it this isn't hard and uh but that said i i I, this is not a slam dunk internally this is not a slam dunk internally and i don't know how it is isn't I, I, i i don't i don't if you are going to not, if you're going to make a decision based on what somebody meant, that's just not how things are done. You're mm-hmm. you're doing, you're making a decision for the future based on your attachment to the past. How does that work? And and I guess you, you know you talk about AJ Green and they've they've had some really important players who got to a third contract or got to the end of their second contract. Jesse Bates is not involved in this conversation because he was coming out of contract number one, moving into contract number two. How many of those guys went on to have a lot of success from a productivity standpoint in their next destination? Now, Carlos Dunlap won a ring. Geno Atkins, I don't think ever played again. Never played again. AJ Green had a forgettable time in Arizona. Joe Mixon might be an NFL player in 2024. He might. What What is your best guess as to what that production will look like or what his role is going to be? It's not going to be even the role that he had in Cincinnati last year. And I guess I guess there's a better than average chance that if the Bengals say goodbye, no team's going to pick him up. It's just, it sounds harsh. But, yeah. uh, you know, so, yeah, we have these these really hard conversations about players who have meant a lot and they've done a lot. And you want to honor that. And they either stick around too long to the point that they're no longer productive or they do move on from them. And then the player goes elsewhere and they're done in relatively short order. That's probably what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. And you're, if your eyeballs don't tell you that I, I can't help you. I, I, yep. I just, I know the player that I've watched. And if the idea for the Bengals is going to be, here's what this guy has meant. Here's what he did. That's, that's living in the past, man. And I, I just, I'm all about what I'm watching right now and what I know right now. And none of those things suggest to me that you bring back Joe Mixon for an $8 million cap hit. And, and all of this conversation to, to tie a bow on this is why this date of March 17th with his $3 million bonus is so important because that's, that's where they will decide, okay, we're in or we're out. You wouldn't, you wouldn't keep him and then cut him later. That would be idiotic. And they're not going to do that if they internally aren't at a point where everybody's in the same boat without this obvious type of a decision, mm-hmm. um, then there's bigger problems than we know. Yeah. And that would be concerning to me. And, and, and I, I've kind of said this, I, I don't know. I, I hate to say this because you never know, but I do think that it w- it's almost like they're willingly taking the Super Bowl off the table because they need to be more explosive as a running uh, in, in the running game and they know it and that's what fits them and they need to be getting the most value as they possibly can out of the rest of that cap space if they're going to go for it with T Higgins to then waste not waste use $8.5 million on an average to below average guy who doesn't fit you anymore because of whatever reason that is being justified is, is, 
is a problem and you are lessening your chance. And when you start getting to that level, you're where you're having to win on the margins in the playoffs. Like I, I'm not saying that would be the difference, but you are opening yourself up to that being the difference big time. And, uh, and that would be concerning to me with whatever, whatever has gone wrong in that conversation. Assume for a second T Higgins is a Bengal in 2024 safe assumption, right? <clears throat> so, uh, if that's if that's the approach they take, then you need, I think, some sort of consistency in regard to team building. Bringing back Joe Mixon is not consistent with the idea of bringing back T. Higgins because when the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase, the word that was used most often was explosive. Boy, with these two guys, we could be explosive. And we've seen it play out that way, right? When those two guys have been healthy, you wrote about it even in 2023. They were explosive. So you can't value explosiveness. You can't keep this guy, this wide receiver at nearly $21 million because we think that gives us an explosive passing game and then bring back the running back who's the opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? That that doesn't, explosiveness isn't just throwing the football. It's, it's, it's utilization of running backs in a way that can help us maximize our explosiveness on offense. That doesn't mesh with Joe Mixon having a major role in this team or any role in this team. And, and, and I, I, I just, I, I, I refuse, I, I refuse to come over to the side of let's, let's, let's keep this guy for what he is meant. Let's keep this. Like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. And it's, and it sounds like I'm anti Joe Mixon. I, I am not man. It's, you know, again, three years ago, I'm the guy banging on the table four years ago. Sign him. Give him four years, 48 mil. I know it's a running back. Let's do it. I, I could tell you, I asked you in November of 2022, watching him during the season, a year in which the Bengals won eight straight games at the end of the regular season. I remember asking you, like, are we seeing the last of Joe Mixon? That was in 2022. I know. That's not a reflection of how much money he was due, how much money he was making. It was a reflection of what I'm watching right now doesn't suggest that the running game is going to go in the right direction if you keep bringing him back. That was a season and a half ago. And we're just we're just going to run it back with him again. It, it doesn't it, it just doesn't it doesn't mesh. It doesn't mesh with the modern realities of the NFL. It doesn't mesh with basic economics and it doesn't mesh with what we've watched from Joe, which he hasn't been bad he hasn't been good. I want great. Chances are he's going to be closer to bad than great because he's barely been good. Yes. It sounded like I rehearsed that. It did. That was very good. That was very, that was very well done. Absolutely. End clip. Send to social. Are you going to uh, put this out there on social media? Will Joe see it? Will I get the clown emoji? Oh, you'll get one. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's almost a badge of pride at this point. If you don't yeah. have it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, before you go, though, yeah. um, there's big news in Aliens last week. Uh, yeah, you sent me this, and I have not had a chance to, to read it's it. It's okay. I'll read it. I'll, I'll give you the basics. The headline is, we've got, quote, multiple U.S. military whistleblowers saying there's video of a UFO shooting down a nuke with a laser beam, which, wow, right? Big, big news that I feel like we need to be – talking about and so we we of course are judging whether we're we're making this a part of our equation that we should pay more attention to like you know real dna real biological aliens Mm -hmm. here alien bits or if this is not the uh here's the uh the crooks of the story the u.s military is in possession of a video of a ufo apparently disabling a nuclear warhead during a routine test according to multiple former officials they claim the video in question captured a saucer shaped craft circling the unarmed dummy warhead shortly after it detached from the atlas missile booster then shooting four beams of light at the warhead disabling it retired u.s air force officers lieutenant bob jacobs and major florence mansman claimed to have viewed the recording of a the 1964 encounter before the tape went missing the what? former officials were part of a team responsible for capturing video of missile test launches in California with telescopic photography and videography equipment. Two days later, after they screened the video, they claimed that the two plainclothed CIA agents confiscated the footage and swore them to secrecy. We're talking six decades ago. 
You know, this isn't last week. This is no. in the 60s. And this has, is like the height of the Cold War, right? Yeah. So we're yeah. saying, and they're saying it has now recently come into public knowledge due to author Robert Hastings hmm. investigating it. What are we What are we saying? Are we giving this credence or is it too far back that we can't give? What do we know? What, what did anybody know in 1964 about what they were looking at? Why did it take so long for this to come out? Robert Hastings was not on the case, I guess. I don't, uh, or the CIA was doing a good job, or these guys were serious about being sworn to secrecy. Hmm. Well, I could appreciate that, but it would just, it, it strikes me as a little bit fishy that 60 years have passed and we're just finding out about this. Yeah. Uh, because most of the people who would have direct knowledge of this are now no longer with us, right? Yeah. Call it what it is. So, uh, but this is jarring. This is jarring. I mean, we're we're now dealing with aliens and nuclear missiles. Yeah, that seems like a bad combo. Where were the nuclear missiles going? Like, <laughs> just a test. Just, just a, a test. test. Just okay. a nuclear missile test. Okay. You know, I mean, because I as somebody who was born many, many years after this, I, I'd like to I'd like to to pay some uh debt of gratitude to the aliens for uh, blowing up the nuclear missiles, which would have ended possibly the earth before I entered it. So uh, yeah, um, I'm intrigued. I'll I say this to be intrigued. Here's, here's my, here's my only point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we've had a bit of, you know, I guess understandable secrecy. That's whatever they're trying to hide from us about knowledge of aliens. Okay. That's out there. We, we not now, but now as a public that we're all kind of coming to terms, this could be possible. If you've got this video, wouldn't it behoove everyone to just show us right and just put it on the table and be like, look, yeah, here it is. Take a look at it and tell me what you think we, and, and let's be honest about this. Can we just, I feel like it would help us all if we knew that this actually happened or could break down whether it did or not. Also, the aliens show up in the mid-60s, shoot down a nuclear missile, and then go away? Go like, away. Just move on and carry on with their business? Like, sure. Don't stick around? On to Mars. Don't come back? Like, so here's this one-off. Alien stops by, shoots down a nuclear missile, and then see Out. it? Yeah, see it. On to the next? Yes. They got things to do. They are busy. The galaxy is large. A little bit dubious, I guess. But yeah. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't somebody in the alien craft want to go, hey, let's let's circle back over there to that place we shot down the missile, right? <laughs> or it's maybe because we're that. shooting nuclear missiles at each other, they're like, screw this. Yeah. <laughs> out on this one. Let's just get out of here. They're gonna we're blow that planet up themselves. We don't yeah. even need to go there. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we're good here. Yeah. That's that's really that's that's an indictment against where we are in yeah. in in the world right now that, that we don't need the aliens to annihilate us. We're going to do it with each other. <laughs> Pretty good at doing it. Yeah. Ourselves. Maybe that's why we're so sort of dismissive about stories like this that we don't care like ah you know what we got problems. We're killing each other. We're going to we're going to fire off at each other. We don't need we don't need to worry about aliens. What yeah. are they going to do? Expedite the process a little bit. Yeah. So that's why they've moved on. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh on that note, we'll leave it. Yeah, the world's going to end. Let's just hope it, it, you know, it makes it to win this podcast poster when I go on with you this afternoon <laughs> from three to four on ESPN fifteen thirty. Hopefully, we make it there. Mo, appreciate your time, and uh, I'll see you this afternoon. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right, Mo Eger, ESPN fifteen thirty, joining and. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Dave, you have any thoughts on uh, aliens shooting down? I, I like to think those aliens were like Steve Buscemi and uh, Billy Madison, just showing up, 
picking off the bad guy and just leaving. Like maybe we maybe we did them a solid at some point and they're just coming back and just I'm so glad I called that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I like to think that Steve Buscemi already is an alien. Yeah. You um, know, and like he's just kind of been the nice one that decided to stay. Yeah, and he's like, you know what? You you aliens going around shooting down nukes are mean. I'm gonna stay here on Earth. <laughs> Turn myself into Steve Buscemi, get a nice little career going, you know? <laughs> doesn't doesn't Men in Black, though, kind of explain that when you say just be open about it? Like, Tommy Lee Jones, I think, says, like, we've got to keep people ignorant of this or they'll lose their minds. Like, that just ignorance is bliss. Yeah, well, it's the internet age, Tommy Lee. Things have changed. <laughs> I Look, I only know things from movies, all right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I can understand what's going on. And only movies from the 90s where 80s, we 90s, didn't even yeah. barely had the internet, okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> they were better times, admit it. They, I, I do admit that. They were better times. Uh, I, I, I am of the belief that in, a, in the most biased voice I could possibly have that the 90s were the greatest time in the history of our world because it was as far as we got until the internet started to ruin everything. <laughs> That's the truth. I say this here broadcasting to the internet to all of you. So I don't, you <laughs> oh, know, the whatever. irony. So yeah, much irony. I mean, I mean, I'm clearly part of the problem, not denying that. Uh, all right. Uh, there is another story. We've got a, we've got a bunch of stuff up now. Um, we've got our one potential cap casualty for every team, which, uh, I talk about Joe Mixon. I won't go down that road since we just did. <laughs> um, but that's up there. If you want to read and, and there's, it's good to, you know, that list has, uh, you know, a bunch of names from other teams who they think might end up being salary cap cuts around the league. And, and we're seeing a few have even happened already. And you can say, Oh, you know, um, if if you're talking about New England's let go of a few people, there's some some veterans involved. You're going to see more of that. Um, of of the names on this list, um, that you know, I'm always just kind of looking at defensive tackle and and offensive tackle, and I think you know, you a tight end maybe uh, a guy like you know, Mo Ali Cox from Indies on this list. Um, you've got. You got Brian Allen, center from the Rams, on the list. Um, you've got this guy Dean Lowry from Minnesota, big Dean Lowry guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, I mean, it's again, we're talking about a couple million dollars. You're talking about rotational guys, um, but if, you, if they're looking to look for backups. You know, maybe maybe there's maybe there's some value in a backup guard tackle who's played some who you could get on the cheap. The Saints have James Hurst listed here. Um, you know, there's there's uh, a few names, and we'll see which one which surprising ones come off. But nothing nothing really pops off right now. Maybe you have interest in Logan Thomas potentially being yeah. let go by Washington. I mean, I think there's there's a few, and there, and there will be some certainly of interest but the problem you run into there is i just outside of doing so on the on the very cheap and that's possible with some players in this list i just i don't think that they're going to be wanting to go that direction with veterans in their 30s yeah um they, they'll look more for younger guys maybe that have some upside before they'd be trying to hold on to the last breath of some dude who just got released by another team on a third con you know off their second end of their second contract so that just from a structure point of view how you would see the Bengals filling in the bottom of their roster it would be more with picks undrafted free agents guys coming off their first contract who were underappreciated maybe a little bit in some places before they would go to 32 year old dude who used to bring it and just got let go yeah or is even still pretty decent but you got to pay him a good amount you know you look at uh, yeah brooks cabina for the eagles has kevin byard on there well would kevin byard instantly improve the safety situation sure but i think he's still going to be looking for a decent chunk of money and if you weren't going to pay jesse bates that money why would you pay kevin byard that money so i think there's names that at first glance you go oh that'd be pretty good and then the more you think about it it doesn't necessarily make sense or doesn't seem to be a fit yeah um so 
keep an eye out. You can take take a look um, at, at that. Um, you know the the whole the whole thing of of free agency as we get you know right now. Um, you're not going to see the Bengals doing a bunch of these early moves. Um, the the mixing one is the, is is the only main one. Uh, you know anything else? There's there's not really a timeliness necessary, and they have plenty of space. They're not going to be on these teams. You know a lot of these you're going to see now. Um, are a lot of names of teams that are needing to clear space. They need to get cap compliant by the start of the new league year. It's time to you know do with the the the, the Saints. Where my favorite time every year is where <laughs> Pat Terrell has to go and try to explain how the hell the Saints are going to get rid of $100 million uh, in restructures because that's how they do it, and that's their setup. The yeah. Bengals aren't really in that situation. They're in a good spot, so you're not going to see them super active right now uh, when when we, get in, when we get into that stuff. Um, outside of that, again, Combine coming up next week. We can talk a little bit about some things to watch things to look up for as we get into that that portion of the program around uh early next week I, i'll say for me dave um i i am i am interested in in the view there's obviously interesting things that that duke and, and zach and and the coaches are going to say but um i'm also this year really interested to see what happens with this defensive tackle class yeah because of the it's because of the fact that they, it is such a pressing need for them. And I feel like going into free agency, they really need to have a feel for if they can even address this thing at 18. Okay. That means, you know, are they in on Newton from Illinois there? They, they think he would be a worthy pick. And, and last year we saw Kalijah Cansey come into the combine, tear it up. And yeah. blow everybody's mind and move up into where he ended up being, which I believe he was 18 or 19. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that being certainly of you know a thing. Or do you look at Texas's Byron Murphy and say, Yeah, that's a dude. But if he goes and has a great combine, does he then catapult up into that? fringe top 10 guy because teams are looking at the scarcity of of an elite dude there and, and so many teams need that position um is what happens there do do you get more depth show up where you start to get more belief in the second third round at that position that there's maybe not an instant disruptor but dude with real high upside that you could bring in that you feel like can could make an impact as rotational this year and, and could come in next year and, and, and be the guy. Yeah. Uh, what happens with that group? Do, do they kind of make waves? Yeah. And, and so I, I think that's going to be an int- one of the interesting aspects of the combine to watch from a Bengals perspective is, is, is how much the defensive tackle group maybe builds itself to be stronger either on the top end uh, on the bottom, and is that good or bad for the Bengals? Right? Maybe they need, maybe they need uh, Byron Murphy to stink it, up, stink the joint up a little bit yeah. to, to have him be around there at yeah. at eighteen. I don't know, but I think where those guys go stock wise mm-hmm. could be interesting to watch. I feel the same with the offensive linemen, but from a standpoint of who's going to emerge more. I, it's, it feels like we need to be able to sift these guys out and figure out what the pecking order is. Cause we kind of have a cluster of them that could all be available. And I just, as somebody that doesn't watch a ton of college football, I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly haven't, you know, watched Washington's offensive line closely to know how good their guy is. So I think with, with offensive linemen, the measurables come into play so much and things that we kind of, laugh at to some degree, but arm length and things like that. We're, we're going to get a better idea of who kind of sizes up to be the best looking NFL prospects. And I think that's going to make it a little clear if they decide to go that route after the combine, I think they'll have a better idea of who kind of fits what they would want in that 18 spot. So I think that's going to be the most interesting thing is just seeing who emerges more among that group and who maybe falls back a little bit. 
Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that's that's going to be a, a fascinating crew there. And and you can throw wide receiver into the mix for the mm-hmm. same reason where you've got so many guys as as there has been now for the last 4 years that um establish themselves uh as, as top level dudes and and will they will that bulk up? Will you have even more faith in second, third, fourth round um giving you something that you're looking for? where there's even more willingness um, to believe that you can, you can build up and, and find the type of guys that you want there. And that will be that there'll be plenty of them or somebody that fits you for, for whatever reason. So all of that stuff, great to watch. Uh, and you know, that's, that's part of the fun of the combine, but to, to me, more of it will be stuff learned on the ground. And so we'll have all that stuff with you is things that we hear, whether it's, from coaches, from everybody in the NFL convention that is there, um, and whatever happens between the hours of one and three a.m. at Prime, where I <laughs> just the, quite a center of the universe there uh, when you when you get into that point. So anyway, uh, all right, that will about uh, that'll about wrap us up. And uh, again, want to remind everybody uh, keep an eye out next week uh, as we are going to be getting bigger and better big things on the horizon coming your way. And I'm very, very excited for what's about to come next. So keep, keep an eye out for that. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.